0: Beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It! Brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Traditions. Just Brew It! Here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White, Bert Deister. Happy Saturday. Yeah, good morning. Nice little bit of
1: cool weather. Hopefully that continues out no more mid-80s.
0: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I'm going to be watching... I'm looking at forecasts. I, I'm counting down how long it is until the ten-day forecast for uh my wedding, Ooh. which is uh, two weeks from today. So, so you'll be watching uh, in four days. I can start the ten-day forecast to see if it's going to be nice outside. So outdoor wedding, indoor wedding. Uh, outdoor ish with the very very weather e- permitting. It's very easy to make it indoor. We just go, like there's a tent next to the outdoor. So it'd be nice if it was nice out. Yeah. If it's not, we'll live. Anyway. I digress. So anyway, happy Saturday. Um, today on the show, something we've not ever talked about, barrel maintenance and yeah. barrels. We, we've discouraged people from getting barrels yeah. before on the show,
1: but today we'll talk about the why.
0: All right, why, why you discourage it?
1: Why we discourage it and what you need to do if you decide to get into okay. one and kind of what you're looking at is price and time as well.
0: Yeah. Last week we talked about oxygen in beer and some di- uh the diamond lager yeast as well you've which been-
1: i have crashing out right now i did five days at uh mid 50s brought it up to high 50s for just uh three days for a diacetyl rest and now it's down to 45 and crashing out so we'll see how that is but all it right. looks like it hit all of its numbers smells really good looks really good so i think it's doing its job and again uh a- Fast fermenting lager yeast with a very forgiving temperature range and kind of a true, like, Bavarian profile is something that there hasn't really been in dry yeast. So that will be, you know, uh, special for any brewer who wants to brew on the fly and doesn't want to use West Coast American, English, or Belgian yeast.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, very good. Um Hop rhizomes, hop. We've, we've got to do the uh, usual housekeeping on that. Still pretty good with hop rhizomes? Got a lot of options? We got a
1: lot of options. Uh, Comet looks like it's going to be going down fast, meaning uh, people are starting to have a chance to brew with it because we got the rhizome in. They got those first pale ales, IPAs back, and they're saying, oh, yeah, I like this. Let me grab some more. Um, but other than that, I think we have everything in stock right now. Um, Mount Hood is another one that I didn't think we were going to get as many sales on this year as we are, so I can see that running out fast. Um, but other than that, we have a lot, large selection of well over a dozen rhizomes. So if you're looking to start growing rhizomes, come on into Niagara Tradition, and we can help you find the right one for you. If you go to a garden center, you may find out what the rhizome is. Um, you may have one or two varieties to choose from. Here, I can guarantee it's going to be cheaper, and you're going to have over a dozen. And we can tell you about you know how they look. Um, how they grow, and what type of beers they're used in. So if you decide to start brewing later, you have hops that are suited for the beers you like.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Galaxy hop still in stock? You got it. Still limited?
1: Still limited, still a trickling supply. I haven't got a full order on it yet, Um, but we still have it. A lot of people taking advantage of it. Two ounces per customer, so enough to kind of play around with an IPA or um, pale ale or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. And if... uh what else? Hop hash. One more thing. Hop hash. We should get to that too. Mm-hmm. You, you have.
1: We still have hop up? hash, and so got no cryo hops yet available. So they just released those at Homebrew.com a couple of weeks ago. So you know, hop hash with the uh, the kind of caking that uh, is on the stainless steel uh, grinders um, after CO2 processing of the hops. The hop hash is a lublin oil extraction. So that's a little bit different. Um, both are interesting, both provide intense uh, tropical fruit flavors Um, but the cryo hop should be out soon, hop hash is already out Um, but we have a lot of the tropical hops if you're looking for just traditional regular old pelletized hops and we have Idaho 7, El Dorado Green Bullet Comet Kuatu, Pacific Gem, Wakatu Watahi, Lemon Drop uh, and then Experimental 07270 so we have lots of You know, tropical fruit hops for you to play with, um, as well as the hop has and the cryo hops as soon as we can get our hands on it.
0: All right. Now, you have one thing you wanted to mention before we get to barrel maintenance that I'm very intrigued to talk about, and that is dandelion wine. Yes. So...
1: So we were talking about this a bit before the show because, you know, my hands are dirty from many backyard projects over these nice couple days. Yeah. And one of those projects was dandelion wine. Um, it was right at the point where I was weeding the lawn and kind of always looking at the dandelion saying, you know, the, the greens are probably better for me than anything I eat on a daily basis. And you can make wine out of the flowers. And here I am, you know, ripping them up with a specialized tool I paid 20 bucks for, throwing them into bags and putting them out at the curb for them to get so taken with the rest of the leaf litter. You can eat the stalks? Is it not the stalks, the, the, greens? Le- the greens, the What's, leaves. Where are
0: the greens? Leaves, leaves underneath yeah. the actual dandelion. There's a, a Yeah, little so leaf. there's
1: a rhizome. It kind of looks almost like a carrot growing underground. Yeah. Um, And then those come up um, to uh, a couple of long leaves. And then you have the kind of stems that grow the flowers that will grow out from the center. So if you kind of pull back the grass and you look there, there's actually some greens. And they look, you know, taste similar to like Swiss chard or something like that. They're much more bitter. Usually you kind of let them boil once, drain the water, uh, then boil them again and season them. Um, But you can eat the greens. But you can also make wine out of the flowers, which is really popular. So if you see anybody walking around with absolutely yellow hands, kind of like me, um, chances are they were making dandelion wine. So before I cut the grass, I went around and I grabbed all the you know good-looking dandelion flowers I could. So yellow, not white, not once they've gone to seed, but just yellow, fresh-opening flowers. You just snag.
0: How many do you need? A lot. Okay.
1: I made a gallon and. I uh, took out of the yard when we were talking about just the head, um, no stem. I took about a gallon and a half of flowers, and that wasn't really enough. I wish I had about double that
0: Okay. when all so of a sudden So you're done. saying like a two-gallon bucket needs to be completely filled with just the heads of dandelions. Just the heads
1: of dandelions. Now you need to grab yourself a beer, sit down on the couch, and now you have to remove every part of the green. And you're kind of going to have to get a rhythm to it. And it's it's messy. This is where your hands are going to get yellow. Mm-hmm. But you're going to have two buckets, one that you're going to put all the green parts and the actual like base of the flower in. And then the other bucket is going to go just the petals. So you're going to sit there, you're going to grab the petals with one hand, pinch the back, kind of dig your nail into it a little bit, pop off the back, throw petals in one bucket, and then throw out the green bits. Okay. Now, you want to have about, when you're done, and this is when I realized my mistake, is you want to have about equal volume of just petals to about wine that you're making. And some people will say go even more. And that's when I realized that a gallon and a half of petals really turned out to be about a half-gallon. Um, or I'm sorry, flowers turned out to be a half gallon of petals. Once you get all that done, you bring a gallon of water up to a boil, and you take a straining bag, and you dip the dandelions in for anywhere from like 5 to 20 minutes. So I think I did 10. At that point, you... Pull them out, squeeze them out, try well, to get all the juices you can. That's it.
0: What's the difference between 5 and 20? Is there a different taste? Is it, yeah. is it like hops in that way? Where you got the, it. Okay. You got it. You got it. So a little more
1: you know, flavors, a little more bitter versus just floral flavors. I find if I do a very short, steep, I don't get as much color. And um, the kind of fresh aromas that I'm getting off the pot, I don't get later on in the bottle. Um, after that, you need to add a sugar source, nutrient, and a yeast and let it cool down. Well, I'm sorry, you had the yeast after it cools down, obviously. But that's all that's really in this. And then you'll see some type of antioxidant. I usually like to go with a fresh cut lemon. You can also do limes. uh, You can do orange peels. You could do uh, citric acid. You could do ascorbic acid. um, But it's usually easier to zest a couple lemons or throw a couple whole cut lemons into the project as it cools down then pitch your yeast and go. Now, the important thing to kind of do with the sugar source, and this is where I actually I went a little bit wrong. So you can use just about any sugar to make wine. Um, when you're making dandelion wine, though, because the dandelions really don't provide that much flavor, they're very delicate, and they're very delicate on the aromas, I would highly suggest using a very neutral sugar. Um, so I had corn sugar, two pounds saved up for this project, which would have given me about a you know eight percent to ten percent uh, dandelion wine, I spilled that. <laughs> so I went back down in the basement and I had uh, a couple of jars of honey um, where I was planning to use them to back sweeten the meat and never got to them. So I ended up using these kind of old honey to kind of boost my gravity content, and the honey instantly overwhelmed any dandelion flavors. Even a half pound of a clover honey very quickly overwhelmed what was there from the dandelion. And I guess it kind of makes sense that clover honey is extracted clover flowers, mm-hmm. in a way. And so it quickly overpowered it. So I would really suggest corn sugar, table sugar. Um, I would stay away with anything that has a very distinct flavor because it will quickly overpower the dandelion wine. You ferment it like a regular wine, stabilize it, back-sweeten it with table sugar, and that's it. You can be serving it by the middle of the summer. I wouldn't go super high on the alcohol. Again, the dandelions are not that strong. So if you go high alcohol, it's going to overpower them. Um, And it's kind of nice to have dandelion wine that you're serving fresh, cold, from that summer. And it's always an interesting house guest. Oh, what are we drinking? This is right. wonderful. It's
0: actually from the lawn. It sounds like it'd be great in a big hit at a uh, like a Game of Thrones party or something. You know, you bust out the dandelion wine. Like, yeah, it seems like something you would. I think
1: You'd be better off with the mead there.
0: Well, I, I, I just mean like, I, when you say dandelion wine, I think of something that I would see in some sort of old movie or a I don't know, like a item that you'd get in a role playing video game. Like, I never even <laughs> thought. Seriously, I never thought about. it dandelion wine. Sure, it's like plus value would be very right. low. So that's what I mean, like wow. That, that that If you serve that at a summer party, I think people are going to be it, It's a labor
1: of love. It is good. It is a very thin-bodied, um, very kind of neutral white wine. Again, there's, It's not very strong, and it's a lot of work that goes into a gallon. It took me about an hour, I would say, to pick and process, about 20 minutes to pick and about a little over an hour to process all the dandelion heads. That doesn't you know, count bringing everything up to a boil, cool everything down in the sink, um, sanitizing fermenters. And so for five bottles of wine, you know, I spent probably about three hours of work, hmm. and that's fine. But it's a labor of love. So if somebody shares a bottle of their dandelion wine with you, just know that's... appreciated. It. It's appreciated. Yeah. They spent, you know, like I am going to be walking around for three or four days with, you know, dirty hands, a stained yellow. Um, and, yeah, it's a lot of work. It's not expensive at all. And it's very good. I would really highly encourage anybody who wants to give it a try to do it. But it's a lot of work.
0: Yeah. Well... Learn something every day. All right. So speaking of something, you wouldn't exactly encourage dandelion wine. You'd say it's a labor of love, and
1: I would, I would encourage. It's not something you want to plan to do in bulk. Gotcha. I set out focused on a gallon. Um, again, I wish I picked up, spent a little bit more out in the sun, a little bit more time picking dandelions. Um, this isn't something you want to say. Okay, I'm going to try to tackle, uh, you know, a five gallon carboy. Couldn't imagine trying to get 10, ten gallons of dandelion heads. Can you buy that? Dandelion I don't think heads?
0: so. Okay. I figure, like, maybe somewhere. Like maybe.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you can find them Amazon. Online. Go to Amazon.
0: Yeah. Get 20 gallons of dandelion They're not
1: going to be as fresh as the ones from your your backyard. Yeah.
0: Well, all right. When we get back, barrels. Getting a barrel, barrel maintenance, something that we have uh, previously discouraged. Well, it's open season. So that's next. On Niagara Traditions just brew it here on ESPN 1520. Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Home Brew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near military in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays 10 to 4, and 24/7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit and remember to just brew it. All right, welcome back to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It. Okay, Jeremy White wants thoughts to, to review on barrels. Okay.
1: Yeah, we talked about wine and the whole First subject, we'll deal with the black with that later. So now we're getting into what everybody wants: the barrel maintenance. Because this is a topic that comes up over and over again at the store. Every brewer, winemaker, really wants to have a barrel going in the basement, and they often don't know how overwhelming it is to maintain one. And the barrel must be constantly in a state of cleaning, sanitize, or use. You can't let it go dry. If you let it go dry, what's going to happen is the wood is going to start to expand, contract, warp, split, and you're going to end up with a lot of cracks that can hold, you know, bad microbes or bits of yeast cake. And you're also going to end up with a lot of leaks and the barrel may not stay together. Um, So you have to have a barrel in constant use. That said, is when you get one, say you order it through a distributor like us, and this is why we don't have them um, ahead of stock, so you have to pre-order them, Um, you need to start using it right away. So you need to plan the project first, then get your hands on the barrel, and then be ready to act almost immediately. Um, And let's talk a little bit about the barrel you want to get, because there's a lot of these on the market now, and they range from price, but also they really range in purses. So we see... Uh, People buy the cheapest end of the barrels. They usually have very thin staves. Um, We're talking about half an inch, maybe lower. They have a spigot usually pre-attached and a bung that comes out really easily. These are meant for serving. They're wonderful if you want to go fill them like a growler, you know, down in the basement, fill a porter, bring them upstairs, maybe spike it with a little bit of whiskey and put it on the table and say, everybody, you know, serve away. That kind of stuff, they're great for. But for actually aging a project, they're really no good. Hmm. Um, it's not really usually a decent wood, so it's you're not getting like Hungarian oak in these, you know, cheap barrels that you're buying online. Um, and because the staves are so thin, you often get oxidation. Um, you're always getting a little oxidation with barrel aging; it's part of the point. But you often get way too much out of one of these thin barrels. Um, Real barrels, real barrels for aging beer and wine are really expensive. Um, they're a combination of a commodity in the wood and a handcraft. I mean, a cooper is a pretty specific job. And most wineries, distilleries that have a large you know, barrel aging operation have several coopers in stock. These are guys who keep the barrels fitted. So if they need to pull a stave and, you know, shave it down, if they need to reset a band, if they need to plug a knot, they know how to do all those things when the barrel is full of product without harming the product and without losing it to the floor. Um, This is a very kind of, let's say, not lost because there's a lot of them out there, but this is a very, I think, unappreciated craft. Mm -hmm. We often look at the brewers, the distillers, but it spends a couple of days with them and it spends a couple of years you know, with a cooper uh, in a barrel house. Um, So when we kind of talk about what the availability is for barrels, there's used barrels, which you're only going to see in very large sizes. 30 is the smallest I've ever seen. We have Jack Daniels uh, barrels at 50 gallons. Uh, The going rate is, I think, a little over $300 for a 50-gallon barrel. Um, and you can get them from different used sources. You can also get them from local wineries, distilleries. Usually home brewers prefer the barrels from distillers um, because they know that they're sanitary, that they don't have Britannomyces or malactic cultures in them. Um, but you can also get new barrels, and they're really expensive. Um, and the most popular one we have is a 3-gallon barrel, which is a nice manageable size, and that's a little bit over $200 last I checked. Which is a pretty reasonable price too. Um, I don't. It, with the barrels, I would always point you towards the smaller barrels.
0: Right. The 50- be, because you're saying mostly it's cosmetic anyway, right? Yes.
1: Yes. And well, it's the the barrel once you're doing the barrel aging, it's not fully cosmetic, but. It's manageable. Right. So, our friend Aaron is trying to find people because he got his hands on the 50 gallon barrel variety. And
0: he wants to go halvesies?
1: I think you're going to need more than halvesies on that. My limit's about 10 (laughs) gallons, and and I think so is his. So, and that's most brewers don't have the ability to brew 10 gallons. So, you need at least five experienced brewers, if not 10 brewers, to get together to fill this barrel because you need to fill it all at once. You can't brew every weekend and fill it over 10 weeks. You need to fill the thing all at once and then um you're gonna have to bottle it all at once too (laughs) so that's going to be uh somewhere around 550 beer bottles um and it's a lot of work now a couple of the clubs have done this um in the past where they've gotten uh, you know 10 people together from the club, uh, you have to brew then all of the pretty much the same beer. It doesn't have to be the exact same recipe. doesn't have to be the exact same yeast, but you're trying to kind of have a general direction here. So they went for a dark English barley wine, um, and then 10 brewers put it into a barrel. Some people kegged their share afterwards. Some people bottled it, um, but it was a really interesting project. I don't think they've done it again. It was a lot of work. Uh, The barrel had to be stored somewhere. Once it's full, it's pretty much impossible to move. Um, The 50-gallon barrel, I think, is just a little bit too much, or a lot of bit too much for most um, home brewers. Um, So if you're not trying to find this 10-brewer collaborative, you might want to look at a smaller barrel. And three gallons is a nice um, size because that's going to be one case of bottles when you're done. Um, so it's a simple bottling night. You can pick it up. You can move it around in the basement if you need to. Um, if you have a problem and it leaks, you're only going to leak out three gallons. You're not going to leak out fifty gallons. Right. So you're only going to have a little bit of, you know, uh, kind of emotional sadness. Not also a little bit of flooding in the basement <laughs> right. as well from your fifty-gallon barrel emptying out. Um, So that's the kind of, you know, what to look for in a barrel. So now we can kind of talk about what you actually need to do um, once you get your hands on it, besides never letting it go dry. So the first thing you need to do is clean it. Um, And it's obviously not as simple as cleaning a car, You don't have a nice, flat, clean surface here. You have a furrowed, you know, 3D surface here, you know, that is going to contain, you know, microbes and tannins and glycerides all throughout the depths of the barrel. But you still have to clean it, and you have to clean it without stripping that flavor. Um, so we don't use our standard B bright and PBW here. We kind of go really old school. Uh, and what we sell is a product called Barrel Clean that is made of soda ash and lye and that will actually clean out the barrel while leaving most of the glycerides, most of the tannins, so you don't take the flavor with it, but it should pull out most of the beer stone, any yeast, trub, anything stuck to the sides. You need to rinse the living daylights out of it, and then, after it's sat for a day or two, filled with the ash and lye, you need to move it over to a citric acid and sodium metabisulfite solution, and that's going to sanitize it. Citric acid will keep it from going septic, and the uh, sodium metabisulfite will create sulfur dioxide gas, just like they used to burn brimstone in the barrels or sulfur sticks, but it's going to be a lot more clean, a lot more concentrated effect. Now, if you have a three-gallon barrel, this is easy. Fill it up all the way. You're going to do it right. Right. It won't be expensive. If you got a 50-gallon barrel, you can get a little bit expensive with the cleaner and the sanitizer. Plus, how am I going to rinse this out? How am I going to move this around? Um, So what a lot of people will do, and this is definitely not the best advice, but it's advice is to only fill it about a third of the way and then roll it around the garage. And this is what I used to do with my barrel. So I would only make up, I think I had a 33-gallon barrel. I'd only make up about 10 gallons of solution because I think that was a five-pound bag of the barrel clean and a bulk bag, I think half a bag of sulfite and a full bag of citric acid. So it was, you know, a $25 clean on this barrel every time. I would fill it up about a third of the way. And every time I walked by the garage, I would roll it around to try to Get the cleaner, get the sanitizer over to a new spot on the wood. Again, not good advice, but it's advice and yeah. it'll save you some money. Definitely not best practice. Yeah. Um, but then there's a lot of reasons we, we've talked about why not to use a barrel. And the spirit share is, I think, one of the biggest frustrations to me. So even if you do everything right, there's going to be some loss. Now, sometimes you're going to see that in a drip, and you may have to do an on-the-site repair so I mean your friends are going to be stainless steel screws um, wax food grade silicone sealants if you absolutely have to um, but ideally you would use real oak plugs in a drill you would drill out the plug you would tap it in and you would let the kind of humidity get to it and expand it into that gap um, that's not something that I would try myself when the barrel is filled. I would try to put some wax on it or put in a stainless steel wood screw to try to plug that gap and deal with the proper repair later. Um, but they can run into some problems, even if you're doing everything right. Um, get the small one. You're gonna have to move this around. I don't I didn't even look up what a fifty gallon barrel weighs uh, full. I did look up what a three gallon. Uh, weighs full and it's under 50 pounds, okay. so if you can lift your sack of grain, you're going to be able to lift the three gallon barrel because mm-hmm. it does have very thick staves, I think it was an inch and a half staves and that represents how long the barrel is going to keep sealed for and also, you know, how much kind of oak flavor you have to work with with those thicker staves. Um, If you need a break from bottling all these high alcohol beers, and again, this is not going to be an option with a 50-gallon barrel, but if you got a three-gallon barrel, you could go up and pick up half a case of Everclear, and you could fill up the barrel with the Everclear to kind of give yourself a break from rotating all these cleaners and high alcohol projects. You're kind of making some homemade aged whiskey, but you're also keeping the barrel in good condition, keeping it sanitized, keeping it um, humid so it's not going to bust on you. And then if you really get sick of it like I did, um, you can cut it apart and you can use it for smoking meats. You can use the, you know, hunks of wood you cut out for aging on your product. So you can still get all that wonderful barrel-aged effect in a carboy. If you do decide to use a barrel and you get a couple uses out of it and you decide it's not worth your while, obviously you can use it cosmetically. Um, you can cut it up. You can use it in a carboy. You can use it to smoke meats. So there's a lot you can do with it. But it's a lot of work.
0: Seems like both the first segment and the second segment are labors of love. you got to. Like you've got to really love doing this if you're going to go all the way for a barrel.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> so basically in today's show, we've got you out all day getting sunburned, picking dandelions this summer, and then in the basement <clears throat> dealing with a leaky barrel all night. So then the hardest thing you could do would
0: be make dandelion wine and then and age, then age, it, age in it in the barrel. The barrel. Yeah. <laughs> I would highly not advise that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's but a lot it of work. probably would be wonderful. Yeah. And, and it, it seems like most people that probably get this idea in their head, we've only got one minute left, probably want the the, the effect that you can get without using a barrel. Yeah. Well, they want the smoky oak. They yeah, want and the, you, can, you
1: can get that without using the barrel. Right. They want the effect of it. And the other thing that people always want to do is they want to serve out of the barrel, which is just not an option. Maybe if you had the three-gallon barrel and you're serving, like, wine at a wedding, you know, it's all going to go in one night. That can work, but once you start opening it, it's just like any other carboy or anything like that. It's a, or a wine bottle. So you do have some breathing happening through the wood. It's mostly one way, mostly going out. Um, and once you open it up, it's going to start to rush oxidize. So once you open it, you need to deal with it. You can't be serving a glass off it every night. That is not done with barrels anywhere.
0: All right, that'll do it for us. Lots of work for maybe. Well, you know the results you might ultimately want if you have the love then go for it labor after it
1: so if you think i've given you some bad advice (laughs) and you want to spend all summer in the basement dealing with a leaky barrel you better go brew yourself beer 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 beer
0: you've been listening to just brew it brought to you by niagara tradition homebrew whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started visit them at 1296 sheridan drive in tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of just brew it